You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. That we have been given life and life more abundant. Remember in John 10, 10, Jesus spoke to people who were physically alive, but they were dead on the inside. Somehow, he says, the enemy, the bad shepherd, uh, Satan himself, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundant. Today, I want to just talk to you for uh, the remainder of the service. I've got 26 minutes, but uh, I want to talk to you about the wonder of God. If we ever begin to lose the wonder and awe of God, we will be impacted deeply in negative ways, such as our worship. See, we worship the wonder of God, the awesomeness of God, because we have discovered how magnificent He is. I remember the first time I heard about Jesus Christ, the Savior. I was 14, and I was so mesmerized. I I went to the stationery store. We didn't have any Christian stores around back then in the dark ages when Snoopy and the dinosaurs roamed the earth. But uh, at the stationery store, you could get a Bible. And I bought a Bible with a zipper on it and a hanging chain with a cross. You remember that? And it was King James. I didn't know any other version, and there were very few other versions at that time. I sat every night in the chair and read it, and then when it was time to go to bed, my mom would come in and say, Bernard, go to bed. And I would prop the Bible up on my pillow with a little nightlight, and I would read the scriptures. I was just amazed. And then we would sing songs, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory. Glory? So I'd go to the youth pastor, what does glory mean? What is glory? Oh, that's the presence of God, the manifest presence of God. And that's talking about someday we will be in heaven in glory. And I go, wow. And I start looking up heaven. All of you look at me like I'm weird. You didn't experience that when you first found out about the love of Christ? The first time you felt a whisper in your heart and you believed it to be God's whisper? Or the first time after you gave your life to Jesus, there was this conviction in your soul, and God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was speaking through your conscience, don't do that. Remember that? It was like, whoa, I better stay away from that. God is amazing. And if we lose the wonder and awe of the Lord, we have lost it all. I remember years ago when my niece came to California from Oklahoma. They flew into LAX, and they got on the 101. They were driving up, and all of a sudden, she screams out, Dad, stop the car! It was Ventura. She had never seen an ocean before. Whoa, dude. What was that turtle's name? Crush, yeah. Yo, dude, it's the ocean. And she gets out of the car, takes off her shoes, runs in the sand for the first time between her toes, the first time, mind you, and was mesmerized. And she turns back to her parents and says, it goes on forever. She'd seen a lake, but lakes don't go on forever. She'd seen streams and rivers. And she was mesmerized. Then they started driving north. Some of you have driven by Santa Barbara. 
Some of you have driven by El Cap, Refugio, Refugio, Refugio. I don't want to say how it's pronounced because I pronounced it once. I got emails from people, don't you know how to pronounce it? Refugio. Hio. And she stopped the car again. And her dad said, it's the same ocean. But not to her. See, he grew up in Newberry Park, Thousand Oaks. He could just drive over through Camarillo and see the ocean. He could drive to Malibu and see the ocean. See, you, you can drive to Halama. You can drive to Surf. You can drive to, to, to Guadalupe Dunes. You can drive to Monte de Oro. You can see Avila Pismo. Come on. San Luis Bay. You can go to Gaviota. And some of you commute every day. God bless you, commuters. You see that big old thing of water out there. It's like, same thing, same place, same Listen, just like the ocean can no longer amaze us, so can God. And you can't experience life that is abundant if you cease to be amazed by the wonder of God. In January 2007, the Washington Post conducted an experiment. What would happen if we had a world-class musician perform elegant musical pieces by Bach and Beethoven? in the metro station of a major American city. Some of you know Josh Bell. He makes between fifty dollars and $60,000 a night playing the violin. This particular violin is a Stradivarius worth $3.5 million. And the experiment was, what if we put him there playing these incredible pieces? Would anybody even notice in the hustle and bustle of their day? Now, this one woman, that's why I picked this picture, she actually saw him play at the Library of Congress and recognized him. But most people just walked by. Actually, there was 1,097 people that passed by. 27 of them put spare chains in the violin case, totaling 35 bucks. Seven of them stopped what they were doing for more than 60 seconds to listen but 1,070 people hurried past, oblivious, uninterested, and unmoved to this guy that plays with orchestras and is phenomenal. How often do we miss the wonder of God around us? How often do we drive by the spiritual oceans of life how often do we see God transform a soul, change a friend, heal somebody, help somebody through their career, help somebody through their school? How often do we, do we watch somebody that just rises above and does something they can't do, whether it's in the pool or on the football field or on the baseball field or on the computer lab? When somebody does something, we just kind of go, oh, that's good. I remember years ago going to the happiest place on earth where Mickey and Minnie are king and queen. You might know what I'm talking about. And down the street came the amazing parade. Now, this summer we're going to have the Flower Festival Parade, and it's awesome. But when Disney puts on a parade, let me tell you, it's a little more awesomer, a little more amazing. And they have dancers and Cars and floaty things and bubbles, music. These two kids on Main Street 
are seated there with their little felt Mickey ear hats that are way overpriced because they have their name engraved on the back. Poorly done, I might add. And they're both on their parents' cell phones playing Catch the Bunny or, or Farmland or a car game. They're sitting there playing a little game on a little screen while this most amazing, creative genius that is Disney is going by the street. And I thought, isn't that just like me at times? Where I could think something that man could create or even the, the genius of animation could be better than what God made himself. There are people who actually go to the Grand Canyon. They drive all the way there and look down and say, oh, big hole, and get in their car and go to McDonald's because there's a McDonald's nearby. Ezra 9.8 says, but now for a brief moment, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us an escaped remnant and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes, may enlighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our bondage. That God somehow would do something in our midst that would change us and, and, and shake us. I was reading an article by uh, John Piper, well-known pastor and author, in which somebody had asked him the question, what do I do to get out of the monotony and the boredom of my life? And here's what Piper said, if you are sleepwalking in the silliness that postures as meaningful life, repent and ask God to wake you up. I like that. We can get mundane, it can get monotonous, got to go to school, got to get up, got to go to work, got to pay, got to change the diapers, got to change the diapers, and golly. I'm so glad we don't have to change diapers anymore. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and there's an epidemic, Piper goes on to say, among human beings in general in every age and perhaps more than ever in our age of ever-present distraction by superficial input from every manner of media. In your notes, if you'd write it down, please, there's a tragic loss of wonder and amazement and joyful discoveries of the beauties and the glories in the world and in the Word, the Bible, and in others and in our own selves. We have to make sure that we are awake and see when we were created human beings, we were fearfully and wonderfully made. We were made to know God and to know what God knows. And then the fall happens. And one of the greatest evidences that we are fallen creatures is that we live in the midst of boredom. And somebody says, well, they've got ADD. Well, some people have a condition called ADD, but some people just live in ADD because we are just bored. We've been stimulated so much from the outside that there's nothing within us spiritually that can be stimulated any longer. And, and, and people are even asking questions, well, what's the next great thing to come down the pike and worship? What's the next great thing in creativity? What's the next great, great, what's the next great, well, what, we, 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 we need more, we need more, we, we, we need more. You know, one of the fastest growing churches I was reading about it in America has no band or anything, just a guy with a guitar out front. And the church worships in utter darkness. The screens are up on the ceiling because they don't want anybody to look at people on the platform. Everybody reclines. No popcorn, but everybody reclines. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Some people go, that's weird, man. Yeah. And they'd rather have people be amazed by God than amazed by showmanship or by musicianship or 
See, Jesus comes and says in, in John 10, 10, that the vital signs of life are an alive spirit, but the enemy will come, listen, to kill, steal, and destroy. You used to be amazed. I was like a kid in a candy store that was housed in the middle of a Toys R Us when I came to know Jesus. I ran around. I just wanted to be with them wherever he was. I wanted to be whatever was going on. But there's a loss of wonder, and it keeps us from worship. There's a loss of amazement, and it keeps us from coming back into the presence of God. There's a loss of awareness of the genius of the creative power of God to make us creative people. And we can easily lose the wonder of God. So number one, would you cry out to God for an awakening to know God more? Now some of you are going, wow, I'm still amazed at the Lord. Well, how about we ratchet up our amazement? Because this is the God that makes your heart beat while I'm talking to you and you're not even thinking about your heart beating. This is the God who gives us enough oxygen to breathe today. Thank God for that. This is the God that gave you the gift of this day. Margaret Feinberg said, the wonder of God, a moment of spiritual awakening that makes us curious to know God more. Curious, like a kid with their nose against the glass. What next, God, would you have for me? What more would you like me to learn about you? See, we need to pray for a deliverance from a superficial and mundane heart and mindset. So I wrote this prayer in my journal. And it might be good for you to have an assignment. I'll give you a homework assignment. There will be uh, extra points for this if you do it. To write a prayer. And I wrote, Jesus, I pray that you would bring back the holy anticipation and wonder into my life into my prayers, into my Bible reading, into my relationships, into being grateful for the family that you've given me. Renew my heart for you and ignite my faith to believe you can move mountains in my life and the lives of others, to believe that you can do all that you said you can do. God, help me wake up from the slumbers of emptiness and meaningless and boredom in the endless quest to be excited by things other than you. Wake me up from the boredom of being excited or attempted to be excited by the things other than you. Our souls are languishing and our souls are starving for the greatness of God. And with these letters, L-I-F-E, behind me, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that unless we're amazed by the wonder of God, there can really be no life. We need to be like little kids on high alert, watching for the possibility of divine restoration in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We are called to look for signs of life where there is no life. We're called to look for signs of God where other people have counted him out. We are called, as we say a lot around here, to look for the presence of God and not his absence. John Piper went on to say that superficiality is a very contagious disease. Worldly influences will almost certainly make you superficial. We won't go deep with God. We won't go deep with other people. We won't be transparent relationships because, after all, we're chasing after stuff that's pretty shallow. And even on the best day, I mean on the best day, what does the world really have to offer us? A good meal that costs too much? A car that we got to keep filling up with either electrical power or gasoline? For which a new tax is coming, get ready. Unless it's repealed somehow, I don't know. 
17 more cents a gallon. Praise the Lord. Isn't that great? Somebody said, well, 10 gallons is only a buck 70, 20 gallons. Come on, multiply it. If you got one of those big rigs, you know, it's only $3,000 every time you fill up, right? Colossians 3, 1 to 3. I want you to read this with your best 10, 11, he better hurry up voice. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at... Now watch this. Set your minds on things that are above. Let's say it again. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now he's not saying don't have your friends over for barbecue. He's not saying don't rent Netflix. He's not saying don't go to the Edwards Cinema or the Gemini or the, well, the Gemini's closed. But anyway, <laughs> it closed a long time. It should have been closed sooner than it closed. But anyway, it's been closed. Or, or the movies for or wherever. He's not saying don't have fun here on earth. He's not saying don't get on your bike or your motorized bike or your car or whatever, or put the top down in the convertible, take the kids out for a cruise or go to yoga creation. He's not saying any of that. He's just saying, though, if your affections and your wonder is caught up in the things that you find on this earth, you will be greatly disappointed and you will lose a sense of wonder and you will not be any more than a superficial human being. Focus your life on Christ. Your life, here's what he says, that is hidden with Christ in God. Pray that you'll be stunned by verses like that. Pray that Philippians 4.8 will be yours. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence at all, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Guys, Guys, you're going to have to remember, especially if you're older, you're going to have to go way back, way back in time. When you were seated at one of those, those little desks, remember those? I used to get bored in class and pretend that my desk was a flying ship, and I'd steer with my feet. Remember those? And I remember looking down at Linda Peaver's feet. Linda Peaver. She had black patent leather, shiny shoes, open-toed. And I looked down and I, I recognized that girls back then, not so much today, wore different shoes than boys. Now, a lot of girls wear Converse like boys do or Vans or whatever. I mean, you go to most schools today, high schools today, the shoes are the same. But, but, but there are some differences. But, but I remember, man, first grade. And then here's else what I noticed about Linda Peaver. She had painted toes. Mrs. Woolley was up there writing on the board. I didn't even look. Whoa, whoa, dude. Painted toes, wow. I thought, listen, I thought they were the prettiest thing I ever saw. How many moms in the room? How many moms? You remember the first time you felt the baby kick? No, wait. They told you what it would feel like. But it felt so much different. And I remember my daughter, Jamie, she actually took her hand across Debbie's belly. 
You could see her hand. And she said, Bernie, hurry up, Bernie! What? What? Is it time to go? She goes, no, just put your hand there. And I felt Jamie's hand through my wife's stomach on my hand. Whoa, dude. <laughs> Ladies, am I, am I, I, I didn't, I've never had the experience. But am I right? It was just, were you awestruck? I felt it move. Your husband said, are you sure? <laughs> it's not just gas. <laughs> no, I felt it move. And then when you felt that kick, that roundhouse Soccer kick. Come on. The potential for wonder resides in all of us. It is everywhere. But everything in life conspires to suck the wonder right out of us. Remember who the devil is. He got kicked out of heaven for messing up in class. He got thrown, hurled down is the word, to earth. And remember what he was in charge of. Interesting. He was in charge of music. He was the band leader out front. He was Bono from U2. Not, no reference. I'm not saying Bono. He was Mick Jagger. He was Paul McCartney. He was Bruno Mars. He was Justin Timberlake. That was his job in heaven where God is so concerned about the creative and so concerned about music and so concerned about praise and so concerned about glory. And he says, I'm going to throw him down the earth. And he's been trying to make a caricature of heavenly things ever since. And people buy into it. Wonder and hope are absolutely critical to living an abundant life. And you're not going to find wonder and hope in things that the world can do on its own or create on its own. Number two, you have to keep wonder wide awake in yourself. Let me read this incredible psalm to you, Psalm 16, verse 5 to 11. You, Lord, are all I have, and you give me all I need, and my future's in your hands. How wonderful are your gifts to me. Isn't that a person of great gratitude? How wonderful are your gifts to me. How good they are. I praise the Lord because he guides me, and in the night my conscience warns me. How about reading this next night, will you? I am always aware of the Lord's presence. He is near and nothing can shake me. This is a psalmist who recognizes, this is David, and he recognizes that God is wonderful and amazing and he's deeply connected to him and he's not going to let the mundane and the superficial or the boss or the government, excuse me, or the military or anybody shake him the price of gas with a new tax. And so I am thankful and glad and I feel completely secure because you protect me from the power of death. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, cause death, but you, you protect me from that. I've served you faithfully and you will not abandon me to the world of the dead. You will show me the path that leads to life. Your presence fills me with joy and brings me pleasure forever. Sam Harris said this quote, and I really don't have time to unpack it for you, but we must pay attention to the frontiers of our ignorance. In other words, we have to be lifelong learners, and we need not be afraid of talking to people who understand life differently than us. We can learn from them. 
We can learn from people who know more than we know, who know different subjects than we know. Doesn't mean we need to change our faith and agree with them if they have a different faith than us. No, we don't need to do that. But we need to learn from people because some of us have become stuck. Well, that's the 1045 people, but some of us have become stuck. So here's a great question, and it's something you, that you're going to answer in your small groups. And if you don't have a small group, just get somebody that you came to church with. Take that little sheet and discuss this this week. Uh, where do I keep hitting my limits when it comes to discovery and ignorance? What is God desiring to awaken in me, and in what areas do I feel pressed to learn something new? Do you remember the first day on the job? Come on. You remember your first job, your first day? You were so pumped up. Do you remember the first day of school? I know for you students, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? Now you can just see summertime is here. Lots of joy and cheer. And, and you go back to the first day of school and your clothes are all clean and your, your binder or whatever you have is all together and there's no doodles on it, everything, you know. Mom got you a new, new pen. Woo! And new school clothes. And then by about the second week, it's like, do I have to go back? I remember going to kindergarten. I remember my first day vividly. I was so excited. It was raining that day. I had my raincoat on and my boots, those little snappy things on the side. Do you remember? <laughs> and I went to school. It was all day kindergarten, by the way. And I had my lunch pail, my Superman lunch pail. And then uh, it was great. It was great. And then the next morning, my mom woke me up. And she says, get it ready. We got to go to school. And I said, really? There's more than one day? Most people are like that when something's new and fresh. It's kind of like the first year of marriage. Good morning. Wow, dude. This is so cool. I get you to myself anytime I want. It's so great. And it's like, stay away. Second year of marriage. See, students learn and critics criticize. And I just going to tell you this. We have enough critics to last us a lifetime. The Lord, teach us your ways, Psalm 86, 11, that I may rely on your faithfulness and give me an underdivided heart that I may fear your name. Now, why do I care about wonder? Because wonder gives us life and because wonder in your notes moves us to true worship. When we're talking this morning, even in our worship, about praising this beautiful name, Lord, I'm amazed at how you love me. I have 10,000 reasons for my heart to find, to worship you. As morning dawns and evening fades, Jesus, in your name we pray, come and fill our hearts today. We want to be amazed by you. There was a purpose in even our singing this morning. There's a theme that was woven through every song, that we'd be people that would worship God because of what he does in the hearts and lives of people who open themselves to him. Uh, Isaiah 29, we won't take time to, to really dive into it, but it simply says there were people that worshiped God because it was the religious thing to do. But God wants people who worship him because they've experienced him, because they know who he is, because they, they, they know his truth. What if we prayed for new discovery of the wonder of God? Remember the disciples, Good Friday? I mean, they are, they are afraid uh, you know, John 20 talks about them locked in a room. They're afraid they're going to be crucified as well. And then Jesus rises on the third day and says, ta-da, 
here I am. Now, if I was Jesus and I was coming back to life, the first thing I would want to do is go after Pontius Pilate and go find Judas. You know what I mean? You know what Jesus does? He has breakfast with his friends on the beach. Kind of cool. Let me think about breakfast now. I better not talk about it anymore. He, he wanted to amaze them with his heart and with his life. And be open, number three, to fresh life in the dead places and prideful places of your soul. Whenever the thief comes, here's what happened. He removes life and moves us to a place of self-reliance. You watch this in your own self, because I watch it in my own life. When, 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 when I push Jesus out or, or when I let the enemy have his way in my life, you know what happens? I become prideful and I believe that my life is my responsibility, that I'm, I'm responsible for me, myself, and I, the family, the church, the city, the world. I'm going to save the world, right? But the drift of the human soul is always towards self-reliance rather than a God dependency and a God reliance. That's why Ephesians 5 says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as wise not as unwise, rather, but as wise, and be filled with what? The Spirit. You see, pride cannibalizes awe. Pride eats wonder for breakfast. And pride says, nothing today is going to move my soul. It'll be the same day, same thing, same neighbors, same house, same job, same kids, same school. It still needs to be painted. That's what it's going to be. That's going to be our life. As opposed to, Lord God, what do you have for me? How can you open my eyes to amazement and to wonder? How, how can we be more like my niece who saw the ocean for the first time and said, God, how can we be more like Peter who had this revelation of who Jesus was and when Jesus asked him in Matthew 16, who do you say I am? He said, I believe you're the son of God. Do you know everyone else there had the same teaching? Everyone else saw the same miracles, but only Peter in that moment said, you're the son of God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't tell you this, but the spirit of God told you this. It was a revelation that came to him from heaven because he was open to wonder and awe. Pride misses the greatness of God. And pride misses the greatness of the smallest things in the world. Parents, parents, if you stop being filled with wonder and awe, you're going to raise kids the same way. If daddy, if you stop saying, whoa, kids, whoa, dude, your mom is amazing. She's the most amazing woman on the planet. All right. Or your little kid comes up to you and tries to tell you something, and your grandparents, if you stop living in wonder and awe, the grandkids will come around you and you will teach them how to be bored. Drink a lot of caffeine before you see them. Hey, kids, woo! <laughs> You're the most amazing kids on the planet. Oh, grandpa, grandma, papa, nana, whatever they call you. Would you knock it off? Make them tell you to knock it off. Make them so frustrated. Make, make your kids, I don't care how old your kids are, 
Make your kids feel like they are the most important kids in the world and that you see the wonder of God in them. They are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you get it. So I was with two guys recently. Both their kids are in high school. All they could moan and groan about was the cost of school. They're figuring out how to pay for it. Oh, really, guys? Yeah, you know how expensive school is? Let's send them to Hancock. They don't want to go there. Tough. It's a great school, man. Get your A out of the way, then go somewhere else. Start here, go anywhere. That's the model of the school. And I stopped. I said, really, guys? Why don't you be amazed that your kids even want to go to school and not take a year off and go to Europe with a backpack and sleep in a brothel somewhere? Come on! <laughs> hey, Dad, I've had 12, 13 years of school with kindergarten. I just want to go hang out for a year like in Europe, so will you pay for me to go? That's the best education ever. The one guy has a daughter. I said, yeah, she's not like marrying some hippie guy with an old tie-dyed flowered Volkswagen van from the 70s. What if he pulled up in front of your house? Then you have a reason. But figure out how you're going to help her with education. They were talking about their kids and being so expensive. And here's what I said. You're going to love this. Do, do you talk this way in front of them? Where they think all they are is a financial problem? Good morning. Come on. Look in their eyes and say, God, I'm so proud of you. You're amazing. And to boot, you love Jesus. Wow. You're made in the image of God. Wow. Yo, dude. And if it's a daughter, say, oh, wow, you have painted toes. <laughs> what if we changed our heart, even this week, just a little bit, and we're amazed? What would our marriages be like if we were amazed by our spouses, that they've stood by our side? What would it be like, our friends, our family, our neighbors? What would it be like before God if we just said, Lord, I'm amazed at how you love me? Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.